Hey y'all, I'm Harley and you're listening to the Beautiful Gray Podcast. The Beautiful Gray Podcast is all about finding a more moderate middle gray in between a lot of extreme black and white views to have more questions than answers. Hope you enjoy and let's get to today's episode. Now, maybe I went to a different kind of school than you guys did, but I remember back in oh man, elementary, maybe junior high, and you know how people would just cut up with each other. They'll joke, they'll poke fun, they'll kind of find, I, I noticed, especially junior hires, man, they're ruthless. They'll find like the most insecure part of you and just go at it and tear it to shreds. And um, I think most people can handle it. They just sort of push back, fight back with each other, kind of cut up and just they'll 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 just push back they don't really uh get affected too much by it but there's always that one kid and, and maybe you were that one kid where um everything's sort of fun and games you guys are all sort of joking making fun of each other and then someone brings up someone's mom and the, your mom joke or something in junior high just like went one step too far and the kid that was once just like having a good time is now pissed and is like 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 needs to be held back he's like bro, don't talk about my mom and gets like really into it and really angry. And um, it just made me think of like, what are my fighting words? Like what for me gets me to that place like a junior high boy where someone pokes just in the right way where I'm so affected and so hurt and so mad that uh, I want to fight. And, and you know, it, it changes too, even when you have someone who you know really well uh, and maybe maybe you've experienced this when you have someone that's really close to you and knows you well, they know your fighting words. Like they know what's going to cross a line where you maybe can one moment be like joking, having a good time, all is well. And then one thing is said, and that one thing can just make the conversation go, ha this is a lot of fun. We're joking around to like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that you've crossed a line. And um, I think for us, it's identifying in our hearts what is the thing in me that if someone addresses, talks about, pokes at, makes fun of, it's crossing a line. Um, and, and now it might seem like a good thing. Like if someone talks about your your family and it's crossing a line, like I get that. I think that's a good thing to care about that. Maybe it's your your job or your relationship status or whatever it may be. Something in you gets angry when somebody addresses something and it's a fighting word for you. It's something where people cross a line. Now, I've kind of come to this realization, and and there's maybe more to it. I don't want to be super conclusive and say these are the only two things. But the two things that I've realized create fighting words in me, and and maybe for you, are things I've done in the past or things I prioritize. So it's either I've done something really stupid, and when someone brings it up, I'm like, bro, like, don't say that. Like, that's not cool. Like, we moved over that. Or something I prioritize, like, hey, like, it's my family. I love my family. Or like my job. And don't don't talk about that because I prioritize that. I love that. So my question for you is, as you're listening to this, I want you to just think of, hey, what are my fighting words? What are things that I don't want people to poke at? It's kind of an off-limits topic for people. Um, and if people cross that line, it kind of goes from a conversation to me being upset. So think about those things. There's two stories in scripture where I'm going to highlight sort of one, a fighting word, and then the second, um, something where somebody had a past that was brought up and was forgiven. Um, Matthew 19 is where we'll start. It's a rich young ruler. Many of you guys have heard the story, but I'm going to kind of run through it quickly and highlight what I like to highlight. So it starts in verse 16 of Matthew 19. And it says this, someone came to Jesus and said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who's good. But to answer your question, if you receive 
or if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. So this structure we have so far is a young man who wants to go to heaven. That's literally what he says. What do I need to do to get to heaven? And Jesus says, well, why are you asking what's good? And then moves on. It's kind of a ran- random thing he throws in there, and then, but it's not. And then at the end of the com- at the end of that sentence, what Jesus says, he says, but I'll answer your question. The way to get to heaven is to keep the commandments. Now, it seems like a very weird um, permission to get to heaven based on something that is an action. Um, I think a lot of times what we'll hear in churches, which I think is correct, mind you, is in order to go to heaven, you need to repent and believe in Jesus. Like, ask for forgiveness of your sins and ask Jesus to wash over you and to give you a new heart, to change you. Like, that's what, it's not about what you do. It's it's no work-based so that none can boast. But this is kind of a weird thing because Jesus says, hey, if you want to get to heaven, like, do everything good. Like, be perfect and <laughs> keep the commandments. So then the young man, I think, recognizes, and, and in verse 18, we'll see this, but I think he recognizes, he's like, well, I'm doing all the good things, but it doesn't seem like enough because it seems like he's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the commandments, but it's not enough because he asked Jesus. And in verse 18, he says, which ones? There's something in him that recognizes, I think, that what he was doing wasn't cutting it. And then Jesus replied. So Jesus gives him a list and he says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't testify falsely, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor. And and I think those rules for a lot of us, maybe we can't follow all those really well. But for this young guy who was wanting to go to heaven and finally had some time with Jesus to ask him, he said, oh man, amazing. Like I, I do all those things. Like I haven't committed murder and, and I don't commit adultery and I don't steal and I don't testify falsely. And I do love my mom my, and honor my father and mother. And I love my neighbor. And he's he kind of recognized like, no, I'm doing all these things, yet something still isn't there. Something's missing. And something was missing. And Jesus knew that. So when he went into it, he had this conversation and continued it. And Jesus knew that the commandments weren't cutting it for him, that there was something in this rich young ruler's heart and mind that his heart was still attached to. Something that if Jesus were to bring up, to poke, to make fun of would have been a fighting word. And I think he he hits it real quickly and real soft in verse, well, soft maybe is a stretch, but he kind of just goes straight at it. In verse 21, it says this, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor, and then you're going to have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. He knew exactly the fighting words that the rich young ruler had. And for you, maybe when you read the story, you're like, well, I, I don't have, <laughs> hey, I'm broke, so I have nothing to worry about there. But maybe it's like, hey, money's not a huge thing for me. My possessions, I don't really uh, idolize them. I don't hold them to this high thing. I don't prioritize them that much. And, and, but maybe it's something else. I mean, I think for all of us, we all have fighting words. Whether you're a, a, a new Christian, whether you've been a Christian for 30 years, there's something in you that likely is a touchy topic that you don't really want God to to bring up, you really don't want people to bring up. But the beauty is that God knows your heart, that he knows every last bit of you. He knows what you value, what you love. And a lot of times he knows what you hold on to a little too tight. Now, I'm going to bring a little bit back into this because I want to share, there's a there's a detail that God was showing me this yesterday. So there's, there's, three, there's four gospels total and three gospels share the story of the rich young ruler. A lot of biblical historians conclude, and now granted this is a theory, so don't take this too too seriously, but a lot of um, biblical scholars have concluded 
that the rich young ruler is actually John Mark, who is the author of the book, The Gospel of Mark. So as I was reading, there's three accounts. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And those three gospels have the rich young ruler story. But the only difference in all three is seen in Mark. So potentially, Mark is speaking about himself and what he felt in the moment as the rich young ruler. And the only difference in the three Gospels is in Mark 21, before Jesus said, sell everything, it shows how Mark potentially felt. He says this in verse 21 in Mark's Gospel. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Jesus told him then, if you want to be perfect, go and sell everything, give it to the poor. Now, why I bring this up is let's say, even if it's not Mark, there's something about the intention of God when it comes to us holding things too tight. See, a lot of churches will say, you need to let go and trust God. And and, and I, I agree. I think that's biblical. I think that's accurate. But you need to understand the attention of God for you. He sees that when something is a fighting word, you hold it too close. When something is attached to you that you prioritize, you hold on to too tight, it's not good for you. If you have a job that you value, that you hold on real tight, that you're not willing to give to God and honor him in it, if you have a relationship that you're holding on too tight, that you're not willing to give over and say, God, you have permission. See, what happens is God's going to come in and he's going to look at you, feel love for you and challenge you to give it up. That doesn't mean you have to quit your job or break up with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or get a divorce. That's extreme. That's not at all what he's saying. But the messaging here is that when he loves you, he doesn't want your heart to be tied to anything else besides him. His heart is for you to be free. Your heart not to be tied, attached to things you've done in the past or maybe things you prioritize other than him. So when I asked you in the beginning, hey, what are your fighting words? I want to ask you another question is, is, are you willing to submit those things before God? And maybe you do this. Maybe you've done this today or you do this often, but I want to just even as you're listening to this, the things that you value, that you treasure, that you prioritize, I want to challenge you now even just to just to have a pause this and have a conversation with God and just say, God, I, I, I give you what I value. The things that I hold near and dear to my heart, I pray that you can just have them. Like I, I surrender, they're yours. And the way you do that is understanding that he loves for you. He has a genuine love for you and you're not intended to hold things on your heart The only thing you're supposed to hold is just him, to be connected to him, to seek him, love him. You don't need to worry about holding other things close because he'll hold them if they need to be there. But we see in the rich young ruler's story in verse 22 that what he held to his heart caused him to leave. In verse 22, it says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. So when Jesus went and said, hey, I know what you value, he basically brought up the fighting words, knowing that the, the young ruler loved his things, his possessions. So when Jesus spoke to that, it, it triggered something in him. We said, you know what? I don't even want what you have. I, I'm not going to respond to you. I, I want to go to heaven, yes, but the things you're saying, that's too close to my heart, and I'm not really willing to give it up yet. And I think the beauty in this story is that, let's say it is Mark. I mean, the story goes on, and hopefully this rich young ruler then goes and thinks about, I think a lot of people are like, well, he went to hell because he turned. It's like, no, it's... He, he maybe didn't receive Christ. I don't, I don't know that for a fact, but I'd like to think that the things that Jesus spoke to him challenged him and he went back. It's like, it doesn't have to be a response right there in that second. I think 
Jesus knew what was near and dear to the rich young ruler, spoke it. And I think what's cool is that if it is Mark, man, that's amazing that the shift happened, that he was able to give it up and, and trust and follow Jesus. So again, don't know, but I think the, the, the story here is that Jesus loves you and holding on to anything too tight is not healthy for you. And he loves you enough to try to go at the things that you hold on too tight. Now, the second part of the story is in Matthew 9, and we're going to do this a little quicker, I hope. Um, but maybe for you, it's not anything you prioritize. You're like, hey, like God has access to my job, my family, my friendships, my money. He has, he has access to everything, but maybe he doesn't have access to the things that you've done or the habits and sin that you hold on to. I want to show you this story in Matthew 9. This is when Jesus heals a paralyzed man, but before he heals him, he forgives him. And it's kind of a weird order of operations. So I'll, I'll show you this. In verse 1, it says, Jesus climbed into a boat, went across, to his, across the lake to his own town. In verse 2, some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, when I read this, it's almost a bit awkward. That, <laughs> can you imagine, like, this guy obviously needs to be healed. Like, he, he had to be pulled in on a mat, can't walk, has been paralyzed maybe his whole life. You don't even know, but he, he can't move. Like, this guy, obviously, if, if you were to be able to do anything in the world, had the power of the universe, and you have a guy in front of you that's paralyzed, you might be like, hey, you know, like, let me let me help this guy walk. That's probably a good place to start. But Jesus does something a little bizarre in his order of operations here. He just says, you're forgiven. Like he went straight to the heart and said, look, I see that the thing that ails you is not your body, but it's your heart being tied to sin. So I forgive you. You're free. The faith he had to have himself before Jesus is what freed him and forgave him. Now, in verse 3, it says, some of the teachers of religious law started thinking to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? How dare he forgive someone? And Jesus knew what he was think what they were thinking. And he said to them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus then turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Now, when I first read this and kind of was processing it, it's so funny because I wonder what ha what would have happened if the, the Pharisees weren't there to criticize Jesus. Would Jesus literally have just walked in, met this paralyzed man, and just, hey, man, you're forgiven, and then left? Because it seems like he wasn't going to do anything else until the Pharisees kind of had issues. And then Jesus says, okay, to prove that I can forgive his sin, I'm also going to heal his body. What I think this shows is that God's priority is not to change your life. It's to shift and heal your heart. And I think for a lot of times we assume that God's heart and goal in our life is to change our life, to give us a promotion, give us a new job, bring us a relationship, do something physical, change and alter our life. When we see the priority here in Matthew 9, Jesus just wants to come in and heal your heart. If you're holding on to sin and feel uh, guilt and, and shame, or maybe you have a priority that attaches to your heart that you can't let go of. He says, look, I don't care about the world around. I don't care about your future, your life. Your th I mean, he does care about your future, so don't, don't take that too crazy. But he's more focused with your heart being healed than he is with changing your circumstance. This, this paralyzed man, what if Jesus left? Would it have been right for Jesus to just say, you're forgiven and leave? Because I think Jesus said, hey, your, your physical condition is going to go down anyway. You're going to end up slowly losing functionality and you're going to die eventually. But what will go on is the heart placed within you. And that is what I want to be free. 
So I want to ask you guys is do you feel like you're more concerned with God changing your circumstances or healing your heart? And with that being said, are you giving him permission to change your heart? I, I was sharing this last night and and maybe for you when you were growing up or if you have a home now that when when you clean to have guests over, there's usually like rooms that you kind of dump all your stuff into. I know for my wife and I, Daniela, that uh, we have a laundry room that's kind of tucked in the side. And if we have people over, we're just going to be like, hey, let's get all of our mess and move it there if we don't have time to clean the whole house. And what's funny is when people come over for a tour, like, of course, my, my wife loves to show our house. We're very proud of it. So when people come over, it's like, oh, we're going to show you a tour of the house. So we walk in every room. There's this. And they may be like, oh, cool. What's over there? Pointing at the laundry room. Like, oh, no, nothing, nothing important. It's just a laundry room. Anyways, move on. Because what happens is there's things in us that we've hidden our mess in that we don't really want people to see because it doesn't show as well as the rest. And I think what God does is God has a habit of coming into the places you want to hide and and poking at the things that you hold near and dear. And he doesn't do it to to test you or to be angry with you or to, to make you feel bad, but he does it because he has a genuine love for you, not wanting you to be attached or tied to anything else besides him. So he pokes and says, I want access to that area. I want to come into that room. So my question to you is, what are your fighting words? And does God have permission to what you hold near and dear? If it is your job and your fighting word is your job, and when people start to question if you're good at your job or it's your security in your job, then my question to you is, does God have permission to be a part of your job? Have you given him your job? It's not like you have to quit. The response is not extreme every time. But the response is clear that you need to be able to say, God, you have you have permission. My job is yours. Or maybe it's a relationship saying, God, like, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my friends, my boyfriend, my girlfriend. But God, they're yours. You have permission to do whatever it is that you want to do. And I submit to you, it's not something I hold nearer than you. And I give it to you. Maybe for you, it's the way that people look at you and, and see you and perceive you. And, and I think your fighting words are when people start to question your character or to say you're something that you're not. And my, my challenge to you is saying, does God have permission to that? Does God have permission over who you are and, and what people perceive you to be? And maybe for you, it's just saying, God, like you can, you can take that over. I don't want to worry about that. I want to honor you and not worry about what people think. You have permission to enter that room. So if you're here today, really the heart is simple. It's God is really concerned with you being surrendered. There's there's a verse that always comes to my mind. It's in Jeremiah 29. And it talks about if you seek me, it's a promise that God makes us. If you seek me with your whole heart, then you will find me. And I think for a lot of us, we're like, man, I feel distant from God. I don't know where he is. I pray, I read, I do all these things. I'm doing all the commandments. I'm trying to do every Christian thing, but I just still feel so distant from God. And I think the beauty is God doesn't care about the external stuff. He cares where your heart is. You may put outwardly a facade of doing all the right things, yet like the rich young ruler, your heart is still tied to something. Maybe it's your money, your career, your relationship. And what God says is, I want you to seek me with your whole heart. Whatever that looks like, I want all of you I want your whole heart, your whole mind. Just lay. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't even have to be clean. It's like when someone comes to my house, it's like, yeah, here's my laundry room. It's a freaking mess, but you can look at it if you want. I think that's the, the attitude. It's not like we have to clean ourselves up. 
We don't have to fix it all. We just need to surrender it all. So you don't have to present yourself in a beautiful way. You just have to present yourself fully to God. The rich young ruler presented himself and said, God, I'm doing great, but I still want to get to heaven. And Jesus said, I just want all of you. The money is holding you. I don't have access to you in that area. Your heart is tied to something else. I want all of you just surrender. Maybe even too, you'll see in the paralyzed man, the story is so unique because Jesus, it seemed like he was just saying, look, I don't care about your body. I don't care about shifting the physical. I care about shifting your heart. So for you, my question is, does God have permission to every part of you? Does God have permission to to forgive you, to change you? Maybe for you, there's a sin that you've held on to for a long time. And I just want to encourage you with 1 John 1, 9. It says, if you confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness and cleanse you. He wants to clean you, to forgive you. You don't have to clean up yourself. You just need to say, God, you have access into this room, this sin that I hide, the things that I do, the anger I hold, the bitterness in me. God, you have access to it. Forgive me. And maybe for some of you guys, it's just saying, hey, God, forgive me. And then Revelation 3.20, there's a beautiful verse. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I want to come in and share a meal with you as a friend. God has a desire to meet with you, to be your friend, to be connected to you. But you first have to give him permission into your heart, into your home, without closing doors to rooms. You need to give him everything. So my question again is, do you have any fighting words and does God have access? When you really give God access and surrender every last bit of you is when you really find intimacy with God that that really is what we're created for. So I hope that that in this uh, this podcast, this episode, that you're able to just stop and say, God, I give you everything. I surrender it all. If there's sin I hold on to, forgive me. If there's priorities I hold over you, you have access to them. Take over. They're yours. So love you guys. I hope that's encouraging to you. Um, really, the challenge for today is just to surrender. It's not hard. You don't have to do anything crazy. Just give it all. The mess, the in-between, give it all over and just say, God, it's all yours. And you'll experience something that you probably never had before. So love you guys. I hope that was encouraging again. Um, please give me some feedback if there's things that you want to hear about topics. I loved hearing from you guys on Instagram and just kind of seeing what you guys want me to talk about. And it seems like you guys love the interviews. So I've got a lot of those scheduled and lined up. So I'll be doing one this Saturday and hopefully posting it out either Saturday night or Sunday morning. So uh, look forward to that. I'm still writing the book. So the book is going to be coming out hopefully soon-ish. Writing a book is a process. So I am uh, tearing through it and writing as much as I can and going to have to get edited and cleaned up. So um, so maybe I'll share some updates in a podcast about the book and, and maybe even give you an overview of what the book's going to be about. But be on the lookout for that. And if you don't already, follow the Beautiful Gray podcast on Instagram, share some thoughts, um, and just stay connected with me. But I love you guys. Have an awesome, awesome day. It's Friday for me. Hopefully you're uh, listening this Friday. I hope you have an awesome Friday. But uh, if you're listening on Saturday, you know what? Have a good Saturday too. Uh, love you guys. Peace. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Beautiful Gray Podcast. If you would, we have an Instagram. It's called at the Beautiful Gray Podcast. No spaces, nothing crazy in between, all one word. Um, on top of that, we'd love for you guys to just be a part of the discussion. So even if you don't want to be on the episode, share your comments, text me, reach out to me, let me know what you think, and be a part of the discussion. 
And then lastly, I have a book coming out. It's going to be called Rightly Reckless, which is going to be a continued discussion in written form for those of you who just want to read uh, of the discussions essentially that we're going to have here. So looking forward to that. Stay tuned for next episodes. Follow us on Instagram. Love you guys. See ya.